Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 15 through 22. And, the, and once you're ready to read the scripture, if you could please stand as able for the reading of God's word. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, uh, today's message is uh, continuing our sermon series, Seek First. And the the title for today is The Flow of Joy. And I wanted to share a little bit about the trip that, um, you know, uh, Kaylin and I went on behalf of this church. And we were not alone. We joined uh, teams from uh, Northern California and Southern California and... um, it, it was a wonderful time. Uh, there were kind of two parts to the trip. The first part was uh, we went to an international student forum uh, that was held for uh, Indian and Pakistani medical students who are studying in Kyrgyzstan. And uh, we basically had a retreat for them. Uh, and it, it was awesome. It, it just, just so many blessings from that. Um, and uh, we were at this place called Lake Issaquah. I'll show you some pictures in a little bit. Uh, very beautiful place. Uh, and then afterwards, uh, we went back to the capital of Kyrgyzstan, Bishkek, and we visited some local churches. We visited uh, four different churches and were able to meet with uh, some of the pastors and leaders there and to pray with them and to hear about their ministry and to also encourage them. And so um, I have to say, the entire time that I was there, I-, I just felt like I was feasting on joy. This is what I told people. I just felt so much joy in my heart. So much so that at times, I, I kind of felt like weirdly guilty almost. I'm like, I, I thought missions was supposed to be hard, you know? I thought missions was supposed to be this thing that like, you know, you're kind of like sacrificing and giving of yourself. And I really feel like I received way more than I could have ever possibly given. And just the joy that I experienced. I mean, there were times where I would just be sitting there and like not even really doing anything, but just maybe just walking around outside uh, and, and looking at the mountains, there were mountains there, uh, and just being overwhelmed by the joy of the Lord, just, just feeling so incredibly blessed to the point that it, it would like bring me to tears. And it's, it's something that I, I feel like we can experience here. Because I know that there are other people who have experienced missions before, and maybe you've experienced something like that. Just this incredible flow of joy, just coming into your heart, and not just flowing into you, but flowing out of you. And that's one of the things that I experienced as well. Um, you know, uh, the Indian and Pakistani students, um, they're under so much pressure. Uh, I learned a little bit about the Indian medical system. It's so incredibly cruel. You know, like in the U.S., it's really hard to get into medical school. In India, almost anyone can get into a medical school. But in the U.S., the reason why it's so hard to get into medical school is because they limit the number of people who can get in because basically those people are really, really encouraged and supported to become doctors, right? It's not a sure thing. Of course, you have to finish medical school, 
right? But, but really, at that point, uh, the system is working for you to, to help you to become a doctor. But in India, it's the opposite. Anyone can get into medical school, but the trouble is passing the tests that come after medical school. And so I, I don't know, if, if I were kind of cynical, it's almost like they just want to make as much money as they can from all the people you know, uh, going to medical school, but there is no guarantee. And a lot of the students that we met, these students, like their parents have kind of given up everything for their kid to go to medical school. It's like their one chance to kind of turn their lives around. So many of them come from you know, uh, uh, very poor families in very, very difficult circumstances. When we ask the kids, like, can we pray for you? Almost every single one is, pray for my parents. Pray for my family. We're very, very poor. We're going through a really, really hard time. And so can you imagine the amount of pressure, right? And they have to go back and they have to take this test. And you have a limited number of chances to take this test before you're just done, right? You spent all that money on medical school, all that time. And for the vast majority of people, it will be for nothing, or at least not anything in terms of medical school, right, or becoming a doctor, you know? And so it's a really, really tough system. And so these kids, man, they are under so much pressure. Not only that, they're in Kyrgyzstan, right? They're far from home. And one of the things that, that, that we learned from them is uh, Indian and Pakistani students face so much racism and hostility. Um, the people in Kyrgyzstan, a lot of them look Asian, or, or like some of them are mixed. You know, if you guys know about that area, um, it's really east meets west, but the majority of Kyrgyzstani people look Asian. And so, you know, I look Asian, right? And so I'm sure I stand out, but not as much as an Indian or Pakistani student. And so they face so much pressure there. They're away from home. They're lonely. They have all this, this stuff going on. And this, this student forum that we hold for them is this kind of refuge for them a time where they can just kind of get away. And I guess the word of this forum has been spreading, and we have never had so many students want to go. Um, it, it, when I went three years ago, uh, it was not full. You know, that, that was all the students that they could get. But they only have uh, 70 rooms at this place, and um, uh, uh, there were 140 people who applied. So about half the people, they had to turn away, right? But so many people wanted to come. You know, and, and just to get away from everything. You know, and while they were there, though, even though they're under all this pressure, man, these students were so loving. Man, they were so friendly. And just I felt the flow of love for, for, from them. And just, you know, I just wanted to return it. You know, and so for me, I'm just in this flow of love and joy. And it, it's just incredible. And another thing, too, is that we got to meet a lot of people from these other teams. And um, I only uh, preached once at the forum. I also preached at Bishkek United Methodist Church on Sunday. Um, but the, the other times, there were other pastors preaching. And so I just got to receive, too. You know, I just got to sit there and, and receive, like, really good teaching. And one of the pastors was this older fellow. Um, he's a recently retired United Methodist pastor uh, from the Bay Area. And his message was just about noticing, noticing uh, uh, the blessings of God. You know, uh, he kind of uh, related it to like looking out uh, a cockpit window and just seeing all the things that God wants to show you. And he was talking about how so many of us, we don't notice that. 
And I re- that, that kind of became a theme for me. Um, so so the, the way that he put it is like, <laughs> you know, this idea that you look at something and you're just like, wow, wow, you know, that's awesome. And he had a friend who like, like whenever he would see something awesome, he would say, look at that, look at that. And so we just kept doing that the whole trip. We would go like, wow, that's awesome. And we go, look at that. And, and, and that was just a theme throughout the whole trip. And, you know, I have to be honest, friends. There's so many things that I think we miss. I, I want to show you um, where I was. So this is uh, the, uh, it was a hotel that we were staying at uh, in Lake Issaquah, about four hours from Bishkek. We had to drive there by bus. And I don't know if you guys can see. I, I have to tell you, anytime you try to take a picture, especially with, like, the cell phone cameras, it does not do it justice. You, you guys probably know this, right? You see a beautiful sunset, you're like, this is so beautiful. You take a picture on your phone, you show your friend, you're like, eh, what the heck happened here, right? It just got degraded. It, it, you can't capture the beauty and majesty. And I really feel that. Uh, but I, if you can tell, so this is behind uh, the, the hotel, there are mountains, right? There's mountains over here. But this is the other side. So we would come out from the back of the hotel and look out to Lake Issaquah. So this is Lake Issaquah, right? And so I don't know if you guys noticed something above the lake. So it's kind of hard to see. Um, I I know the picture is not the greatest. But the first day, it was very cloudy and overcast. And so all I saw was the lake. The lake was beautiful. It's really cool, right? But the second day, I noticed something. And, and I have to tell you that three years ago, I was there, and I did not notice it the entire time. And what it was is, can you guys see it? Uh, maybe you thought the way that I thought, is I thought what was above the lake was clouds. Those are not clouds. Those are mountains. And they are beautiful, snow-capped mountains. And, man, I would just stare at those mountains. It, 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 they're very far. The lake is humongous. And so the, the mountains themselves are kind of hard to see. It's like kind of misty, you know? So, so you, you got to be looking, right? And there were times I was just staring out. I was like, wow, look at those mountains. And someone would be like, what mountains? <laughs> you know, all I see is clouds. Like the mountains right there. And then people like, once their eyes were open, they'd be like, whoa, you're right. That is really cool. You know, and friends, I got to tell you, I think that I, I really do believe that the flow of joy and blessing that I experienced while I was in Kyrgyzstan, you know, and other people experienced while they're on missions, I believe you can experience here. You know, how do I know that? Because God is everywhere, right? We have been talking about the kingdom of God all this time. And the kingdom of God is not just in, up in heaven, right? But it is everywhere. That was Jesus' message, right? The kingdom of God is at hand. It is as close as my hand, right? And so it is as close as your hand. The kingdom of God is all around you. If that is true, that means that this presence of God, the spirit of God, the reign of God is right here and right now. Why do we not experience that? I got to tell you, uh, You know, when I walk around here in America, maybe you guys experience it too. If you're looking at other people, don't you just see so many people who are just miserable? (laughs) And this is one of the things. um, I'll share more about this in the future weeks, but in Kyrgyzstan, the people there are very poor. The churches, uh, they're very, very poor. Um, 
there's actually a church that's being built right now in Carabalta. And the U.S. teams, over the last, I want to say, three, four, or five years, they've raised about $40,000 to help build this church. Because the church there in Carabalta, it is bursting at the seams. It's this tiny, tiny church, about half of this building, but about double the people. <laughs> and so it is bursting at the seams, right? Like people are like coming out of the windows, right? And they need a new church building. But they're offering, even with that many people, it's like $300 a month. If you guys don't know how much that is, that's very, very little. Uh, they can't possibly um, you know, build a church building with that money. Every pastor that we met uh, in Kyrgyzstan has several jobs. Bishkek UMC, there's Pastor Nelia. She's the one who showed us around. She's the one who led that forum. Just an incredibly strong woman of God. She has three jobs on top of being a pastor. When she drove uh, Kaylin and I to the, the airport, she uh, got a taxi for us and took us to the airport. And she had already been up for two and a half hours working that morning, right? And so, yeah, you know, Kyrgyzstan, incredibly poor. America, by all standards, friends, you may not feel this because you're comparing yourself to other people. You're not comparing yourself with the rest of the world. But we are rich. We really are. We are incredibly blessed. And what has all that blessing done for us? Has it made us happy? Is it? Is it making us happy? Right? This is what we think. This is what you have been told. You have been told this, and we believe it on some level. If we didn't believe it on some level, then why are we living the way we are? We're chasing more money. We're chasing more material blessings because we think in the back of our minds, no matter how many sermons you've heard, no matter how many people tell you this, that money will not make you happy, you still believe it, right? We have never been richer as a country. And I look around and I look into people's eyes and I see despair. And I see people who are so lost. And I see people who are so depressed, right? And I'm here in Kyrgyzstan, and they have nothing. And I see so much joy and so much blessing. And so many of these churches where they're laboring for the gospel in a Muslim country, right, where they could be persecuted and arrested, and just really bad things could happen to them. If people found out, like some of the churches, they aren't even marked, right, because it's a Muslim country, you know? And, and really bad things could happen if people found out what they were doing. But these people, man, so much joy. Do you believe that you can experience that? I really do, friends. And so I just want to look at, this is a very, very well-worn passage, right? Something that you've probably read before, but I want to read the full context of it. Not just the rejoice, always pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we know of this passage. But let's start in 15. It says, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone, okay? So it says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. If evil's coming into you, don't pay evil back, right? Because what is that doing? If someone pays you evil and you pay them evil back, what are you doing? Adding more evil to the world, right? So then... Instead, what we are told to do is always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. So what, are we, uh, what is Paul telling us to do? Put good out there in the world, right? That's what God desires for you. And then it says this, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, 
For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So many people are wondering, what is God's will? This is it, right? So, friends, this is the way I think about joy and blessing and love and peace and all of the many, many blessings that God is giving us. It is like a river. In America, we think of it as a a limited quantity, right? You either have it or you don't. And so we are so stingy in America because we think if we give a blessing away, then we lose out and we don't have it. And if someone gives us a blessing, we hold on to it. We're like, yes, yes, thank you for this money. Thank you for this gift. And we just hoard it. All myself, right? But that's not the way it's described in Scripture. The way it's described in Scripture, it is a flow of blessing. How do we know that? Because it's coming from God. Every good and perfect gift is coming from above, right? From the Father of heavenly lights. So these gifts are coming from above, and they're coming into your life. What are you supposed to do with them? Not hold on to them. You're supposed to let that flow go through you, and you go bless someone else, right? So the way this passage started is, what if it seems like evil's coming to you, right? And this is another thing, is we're like, yeah, but Pastor Steve, that's so naive, right? You're telling us we just need to bless people all the time, and we need to be joyful and be praying and be thankful and all this stuff, but life sucks. Life is hard. What do we do in those circumstances? What does it say? Bless people. Love them. Put good out in the world. It's not coming from you, and it's not coming from them. So often we're so dependent on the circumstances. If we feel good, then maybe, maybe, maybe we'll just throw a bone to someone else, right? We might possibly be good to someone, especially if we like them, right? But that is not what we are told to do in God, right? What if what what I'm telling you is true? That joy is actually a river that you're supposed to jump in and you're supposed to enjoy the flow. You receive. You definitely receive. And you will receive so much, but you are also meant to give and to let it flow through you. And if you do that, you will receive more and more and more and more. And so, friends, this idea of rejoicing always, right? Like, isn't that what you want? Why are you doing all the things that you want? Why are we trying to get this job? Why are we trying to make the money? Why are we trying to live in wherever we want to live in the certain kind of house with the certain kind of things? Isn't it because you want joy in your life? Isn't it because you want to be truly, truly happy? Not just for a moment, but overflowing joy. Isn't that what you really want? Right? And so we are told that part of God's will for you, friends, this is good news Right? I, I don't care if you believe in Jesus or not. This is good news that God wants you to rejoice always. He always wants you to have this joy. Don't you want that? I want that. Right? When I was in Kyrgyzstan, I'm like, why am I not like this in the States? What is going on? And friends, I wonder if part of the trick is what you see in the rest of the passage. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. We see those as three disconnected things. But what if they're not? What if they're all connected? What if you rejoice always by praying without ceasing? And and you rejoice always by giving thanks in all circumstances. Because I got to tell you, we don't do that. (laughs) Right? What does it mean to pray without ceasing? 
Well, it, it is this, this kind of constant recognition that God is there. It doesn't mean you're always babbling words, but you are so conscious of God with you that it's like a never-ending conversation. Um, like I said, we met a lot of extraordinary people. And one of the people was this guy, Pastor Paul Kim, uh, who serves at IHOP in Kansas City. Do you guys know what IHOP is? It's called International House of Prayer. And their mission is basically to pray 24-7 without ceasing. There's a prayer room. You can go on YouTube right now and look up IHOP Kansas City, and prayer will be going on any time of the day, no matter what. They never stop. Pastor Paul told us that they've had several power outages, and even through the power outages, they keep on praising, right? They get an acoustic guitar. They just do an a cappella, right? They keep praying. It never stops, and so I learned so much about prayer from Pastor Paul. And we're on the bus, and he was just kind of like, like just he, he had so much wisdom and so many nuggets that he would just kind of share with us. And one of the things he, he would say is like, you know, for him, like, like when he's like on a bus or something, and we're just going through this city, he just sees, you know, people on the street, and he would just bless them. He doesn't know them, right? He, he, he doesn't really know what's going on with them, but he would just say a prayer for them. God, just bless them. Whatever they're doing today. Would you just be with them? Friends, have you ever done that? That's, that's such a, an amazing way to live your life, right? When I'm on the bus, I'm like, this seat is uncomfortable. How long is it going to take, right? Why do I have to take the bus? You know, I wish I had my own car, right? right? Isn't, isn't that what we're thinking? We're thinking about us. That's all we're thinking about. But if we're in the flow of God's grace, God's love, God's joy, God's blessing, we're praying for other people. Not only that, friends, this is the thing. Remember what we said. Sometimes bad things are coming into your life. Sometimes things, you don't like it, right? It's uncomfortable. You're like, man, you know, why did that person have to say that thing to me? You know, why did that person have to cut me off on the highway? You know, and you're dealing with all of this stuff. And this is what happens, friends. All of these things are disrupting the flow. I want to show you guys real quick. Um, so, you know, this is what we should be experiencing, okay? Um, and, oh, I, I want to show you guys a picture, um, but it's going to give away some of the other pictures. So this is what we should be experiencing, right? A flow of joy. But what normally happens in life is that there are all these things that are happening in life that just get stuck in this stream, right? All of your problems, all, all of the things you worry about, right? They're, they're rocks that are like filling that stream and they're keeping that flow from coming, right? And so, friends, you know, take a look at what it says here. It says, uh, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Hold fast to what is good. But what is happening when you experience pain in life or any of the difficulties or stresses that you face? What do we do? Are we holding fast to what is good? <laughs> I think what a lot of us do is we hold fast to what is bad. Isn't it true, friends? You're, you're just thinking about all the bad things that happen to you, and so you hold on to it. And it's like a rock that is disrupting the flow of joy. Right? And so often you don't even see the mountains. You don't even see the Lord. You don't even see what God is doing because all you're doing is you're holding on to these rocks and they're weighing you down. Isn't it true? 
All you're looking at is the rocks all around you. Oh, my life is so hard. Why does it have to be like this? Why? Right? And it's just an automatic thing. So part of the praying without ceasing, I think, is learning how to let go of these rocks. Some of it is through forgiveness. Some of it is through just giving it to the Lord, right? Just any time, there's all of these things coming, and we need to learn how to let these things pass through us. Um, I have to say that on the way back from Kyrgyzstan, it was not an easy time coming back. Uh, when we got into the U.S. in Chicago, um, immigration, like, like there's a big long line where they check your passport and all that, right? It took over an hour. And um, th- there was, like, kids melting down in the line. There's one kid who, like, puked all over himself. And, you know, friends, I'm in that line, and I'm like, joy, joy, joy. Honestly, honestly. And, and then we get back to Detroit. We get back. Um, uh, they actually waited uh, in Chicago, like, an extra, like, 30 minutes because some people, their flights were late. And so we were about 30 minutes late um, getting out of Chicago, about 20 minutes late coming into Detroit. And so now it's like midnight, right? And we get to the, the baggage carousel. And the baggage carousel, it was like the most amazing thing. I've never seen this before. They told us to go to carousel three. We're waiting at carousel three, like 10, 15 minutes. And then they're like, oh, actually, it's carousel two. We're like, oh, okay, whatever. We go to carousel two. We wait there for 10, 15 minutes. And they're like, it's, it's actually carousel four. And then people are like, what? <laughs> like, what is going on? So we go to carousel four. Carousel four starts running. And then they're like, oh, this baggage carousel is actually for a different airline. Ask Kaylin. I'm not making this up. This is a crazy thing to happen, right? And so it's running, but they're like, it's actually carousel five. They're like, we're really sorry. Um, a lot of the carousels have been breaking down. You know, we're like, okay, so we go to carousel five, and it takes us an hour to get our bags. I've never experienced that before, right? Like, by the time I get home, it's like 1.30 in the morning, right? But this whole time, like, like, seriously, by the time we get to carousel five, like, people are grumbling and complaining and getting mad, right? But for me, I'm like, joy, joy. I don't want to disrupt this flow of joy, right? <laughs> Friends, like, think about it, right? So there, there's this thing that people say sometimes. You know, have you ever heard anyone say, don't let the devil steal your joy? Have you ever heard anyone say that, Right? Don't let the devil steal your joy. Or maybe, what about this? Not today, Satan. Not today, right? But if you think about this meme or this kind of saying, not today, Satan, does anyone say, like, actually, today, Satan, you can come take my joy today. I don't need it today, right? Friends, like, like, I know that sounds so ridiculous, but think about it for a moment. What could possibly be worth Your joy. What is greater? What is greater than the joy you have in the Lord? Why are you letting a stupid baggage carousel take your joy? Someone cuts you off, and you let that take your joy. Why? Is anything, anything in this this world worth your joy? Why do we let these things take it? Friends, if we could stay in this constant flow, God, I, I give you, I give you this burden. God, this is really hard, right? That You pray without ceasing. You give it to the Lord so you don't have to hold on to it. So this flow of joy will not be obstructed and you give thanks. You are looking for the signs of God's blessings. 
of God's favor, of God's presence, right? And we acknowledge that in the Thanksgiving, and we say, okay, God, my bags were an hour late, but you got me here safely. Thank you, right? You come to church, and you're like, oh, there's no snacks this morning. (laughs) It's no breakfast. But God, thank you for letting me worship freely in a country where it's not illegal to be a Christian. Thank you for giving me a church where there's fellow brothers and sisters. I can worship alongside. We can encourage one another. We can praise God together. We, two weeks ago, before we left, we didn't have any heat in this building. We have heat, brothers and sisters. Thank God, right? How many just myriad blessings is God giving you? And, and if we can acknowledge those, friends, there's something that opens up inside of you. And I think it is your capacity for joy. And you experience that joy. And your whole life becomes about, how can I experience more joy and give more joy? Let that joy pass through me to other people. Have you ever had just a really joyful day? You're just filled with joy that maybe there's someone on the bus on the way to class or someone you bump into, and you're just like, such a nice day today. Hey, I really like your shoes. Where did that come from? Where did that come from? Where did that capacity for that joy come from? It came from the joy you are already experiencing. Because you are in the flow of joy, and it just becomes natural to bless someone else. How many times in the church we hear messages about blessing other people, and it's like, it's, it's like seriously like this hard labor. It's so difficult right? You, you got to like bring it out of yourself, like bringing water out of a rock, right? And you're like, be joyful. And you're like, okay. And you're like forcing yourself to smile. Go bless someone else. You're like, hi, right? What if, what if you already had the joy within you? Then it's not hard. It's just your life, right? You woke up in the morning praising God and seeing the, the, the joys and miracles of God and you come to church and it just, it's just flowing out of you and you leave this place and you see all of these desperate, lonely people who are despairing, who don't know Jesus and the joy of the Lord just flows out of you. Then evangelism isn't hard, right? Telling people about Jesus isn't hard. Inviting people to church isn't hard. Because it's just, you're in the flow. Friends, I want that. Do you want that? Oh, okay, this was the picture of. (laughs) What is messing up the flow of joy for you? What are those rocks we're holding on to? Is any of them worth? Is any of them worth the joy that we can experience in the Lord? We're going to go into our time of communion. And this is a time where we remember what Jesus did for us. This is a good time for us to practice joy. (laughs) I want to just take a moment, friends. Maybe for some of you, you're distracted. There's a rock you're holding on to right now. Can we just give that to the Lord? Can we just take a moment to pray? Maybe, guys, just close your eyes real quick. What is that rock? Do you know what that is? Maybe it's a test. Maybe it's your tiredness. Maybe it's something that someone said to you something you're worried about in the future, can you just give that to the Lord? That's what we believe in the kingdom of God. God can take that rock. He's going to be so much better with that rock. You're holding on to that rock. You're thinking about the rock. It's not doing anything but ruining your flow of joy. Isn't it? Isn't it, friends? Right? You worrying about what's going to happen three weeks from from now isn't going to change anything. Right? 
But God is the God of the whole universe. Give him the rock. Give it to him. You don't need it, right? And so can we just take a moment and say, God, take whatever burden is upsetting this flow of love so I can be fully present to enjoy this feast, this feast of love, this feast of grace that you have prepared for me. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he shared one final meal with his friends and some with his enemies, but he blessed them anyways. And he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And similarly, during the feast, he lifted a cup. His would have been wine. Ours is grape juice. They both can lead to a good time. (laughs) But he showed... He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. The blood that is shed for uh, the forgiveness of many sins. And friends, um, we have been invited to this table where we believe it's not just bread, it's not just juice. It is the body and blood of Jesus. And so friends, let's pray over these elements that they can become to us the body and blood of Jesus that we can graciously receive with much joy. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the bread. We thank you, God, for the cup. May this become to us the very body and blood of Jesus. Amen.